not scared of you. I'm not scared of your two brain-dead ballsack goons. What is that on your chest? The three triangles. What does that stand for? It looks like Doritos to me, and I like Doritos, but I hate you. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. Hello, listener. This is your favorite brain-dead ballsack goon, Matt Baskey, here with another episode of Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show where I chronicle my slow descent into madness by watching too much pro wrestling. Uh, this sh- episode covers everything that I watched from February 5th to the 11th. Uh, during that period, I watched 85 pro wrestling matches. I know, I know, that's not a very good total for the month, but uh, I have a good excuse. I would have uh, been able to watch probably like three to five more hours of shows if uh, I had cell service when I was in Seattle for Defy Year 6, but uh, sadly I did not. So I had a long period of time where I would have been watching wrestling where I was unable to. Uh, So definitely going to try and catch up more on the next week. But never mind that shit, let's go through all 85 of them, shall we? First, let's wind the clock back by 24 hours, because I did uh, catch up on about half of the card from West Coast Pro's Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Uh, I started off watching Masha Slamovich versus Brooke Havoc. Uh, this was a pretty solid match. Masha is great, and uh, Brooke has got a lot of promise, but I feel like uh, their levels of experience were a little mismatched on this one, and it wasn't as good as it could have been, but uh, still a solid one, 2.75. Uh, after that, there was Starboy Charlie, Kevin Knight, and Jack Cartwheel versus The Conglomerate, featuring Lee Moriarty, Alpha Zoe, and D-Rogue. Uh, Lee Moriarty joining The Conglomerate just for this one match, I think, to replace somebody injured. Uh, this was a very good match. Uh, very exciting, high-flying spots from uh, Charlie, Kevin Knight, and especially Jack Cartwheel. I've only seen him once before, I think, but uh, Wow. Dude can do some pretty jaw-dropping stuff, and I love Lee Moriarty. He's one of my absolute favorites. I might even buy one of his t-shirts soon, actually. He's uh, not just a good pro wrestler, but a fantastic artist and graphic designer as well. Dude is talented as hell. Uh, but yeah, this was a 3.25. Really good stuff. Uh, following that, Viento versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Goddamn, like, Speedball... He's on another level, and it's like almost impossible to imagine him in a bad match uh this was a solid one 3.5 some really good uh high-flying lucha spots and viento could keep up with speedball on the striking too and then we had titus alexander defending his west coast pro championship against nick wayne i was pretty excited to watch this match considering both guys were on the card for defy year six so i was going to get to see them uh this week and uh yeah this was a, a really good match both guys are really solid all-rounders. They can do a little bit of everything, and uh, there was some really good wrestling on display here. Definitely go out of your way to check this one out. It was a 3.75 for me. Then to change things up a bit, I watched some Choco Pro on YouTube for free. Yes, the Gato Move uh, associated promotion that uh, takes place in a tiny room in front of like 15 people. Um, I've only ever seen clips of Choco Pro matches before, but then I realized uh, they only put on, like, a few matches every week or so. Like, I should definitely be watching it. And, uh, this was a really worthwhile show. It opened with Mia Yatsuba versus Chie Koishikawa. Uh, this is a pretty solid, uh, Joshi match. Um, it was mostly kind of like a comedy thing. They were working the crowd a lot, but it was very fun. Uh, after that, Anarko Montagna and Sayaka Obihiro versus uh, Masahiro Takanashi and Antonio Honda. Another uh, fun comedy bout, uh, Antonio Honda breaking into uh, a cover rendition of uh, Ruby Tuesday for Anarko Montagna was pretty great. Um, yeah, entertaining stuff. And then your main event, the best bros. Oh, sorry, uh, last match got uh, 3 out of 5. Uh, your main event, the best bros, Mei Saruga and Balian Aki versus Hagane Shino and Sawasti Kamen. Uh, this was really, really fun. This match really showed like why Choco Pro is special and why you should check it out. Um, just the cool, inventive spots using their limited space, like uh, Aki bouncing off the walls and Shino like hurling himself through the windows. 
uh yeah this match is fucking awesome it's free it's on youtube go check it out best bros are so cool and i really want to see them wrestle bird law uh this was a 3.25 and then uh over to aew for elevation on monday it opened with the boys brandon and brent uh no dalton castle versus the jericho appreciation society's matt menard and angelo parker uh, this was a fairly entertaining bout. It wasn't uh, trying to steal the show or anything, but uh, you know, I, I think they're leading towards a Chris Jericho uh, Dalton Castle match at Supercard of Honor. So I think this was kind of like a storyline thing, but it was a 2.5 for me. Uh, following that, Juice Robinson wrestled Jake Christ. I gotta say, I'm, Juice Robinson is pretty hit and miss for me, and uh, this match just didn't have anything that really grabbed my attention. I gave it a 2.25, uh, which I also gave to the next match, Dark Order, uh, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds versus Rennie D, Matt Brannigan, and Crash Jackson. Uh, yeah, this match didn't have uh, enough of the crazy, chaotic Dark Order trio spots uh, that I've grown to love, but uh, not terrible, 2.25. Uh, following that, holy shit, Yuka Sakazaki versus Billy Starks. I think if you follow Joshi and if you follow American Indies, this is kind of a, a minor dream match uh, just thrown in on elevation here. And uh, yeah, these two worked really well together. I found that Yuka on Dark, sometimes she's paired up with opponents who don't really understand how the Joshi style works and like how fast-paced it is, and she really has to like slow down on the spot and it, it becomes a little awkward this didn't have that problem billy starks is a very knowledgeable wrestler for her age and uh, they had some really good chemistry really fun match 3.5 recommended uh this is really really solid dark match after that we had chaos project luther and serpentico and zach clayton versus orange cassidy and the best friends chuck taylor and trent beretta um, yeah, kind of a, a goofy comedy spot match, as you can expect with the best friends. It was entertaining enough, but uh, nothing to write home about. 2.5. Also gave that to Powerhouse Hobbs versus Corey Calhoun, which followed that. Um, yeah, all they seem to have for Powerhouse Hobbs right now is some mediocre squash matches. Like, they can't figure out what they're supposed to do with the guy right now, and it's uh, it's too bad. He's a good uh, good wrestler. After that, The Butcher and The Blade took on Top Flight, Dante, and Darius Martin. Um, this wasn't as good as uh, Top Flight matches tend to be. Uh, the Butcher and Blade are, are a great tag team, but I feel like these two uh, teams' styles didn't really mesh all that well. I feel like if it was a triple threat tag team and there was another team in there to kind of bridge the gap, this could have been a lot better. Uh, but yeah, 2.75. It's unfortunate. I normally rate Top Flight matches a lot higher than this. Uh, and after that, a 4-on-4 uh, four four tag match. Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, Emi Sakura, and Diamante. That's a pretty sick team. Versus Sky Blue, Madison Rain, Queen Aminata, and Hyena Hera. Um, pretty enjoyable match. I'm really liking Marina, uh, Marina Shafir lately. Emi Sakura's great. Diamante's great. Nyla's entertaining. And then Sky Blue and Queen Aminata on the other side are also great. I don't really like Madison Rain. She has... That knockouts thing where a lot of the TNA staples from the women's division just kind of wrestle in a, a rigid, kind of apprehensive manner. Like, she just doesn't look comfortable being a wrestler. It's weird. But, you know, she'll do a move and it'll look okay, but she just doesn't carry herself in, uh, like, you know, like Sky Blue does, for example, or Queen Aminata. It's just something I've always noticed with her wrestling, and it's weird. Uh, but this was a 2.75 for me. And uh, your Elevation main events, Blackpool Combat Club's Claudio Casagnoli and Wheeler Yuta versus Tony Nese and Ari Davari. I still don't know what this Nese and Davari pairing is all about, but they're a serviceable team, and this was a fairly entertaining uh, BCC match. You know, obviously not their best, but Claudio and Wheeler are becoming pretty good tag partners, and this was a solid one. Uh, three out of five. And then it's over to Monday Night Rower for uh, <laughs> some pretty, pretty mediocre stuff. Let's go through it. Angelina... <sighs> 
not Angelino Dawkins, Angelo Dawkins uh, took on Damian Priest in a Delimination Chamber qualifier. Um, yeah, pretty underwhelming opener, 2.5 for me. Baron Corbin versus Dexter Loomis was uh, a lot uh, less serviceable, unfortunately. I gave it a 2. Thankfully, it was short. Um, and then a fo- uh, Fatal 4-Way Sublimination Chamber Qualifier, Carmella versus Candice LeRae versus Mi Chin versus Piper Niven. Uh, three out of four of these wrestlers I would love to see in a Fatal 4-Way, and unfortunately this is Carmella's return match, so it was uh, kind of booked around her quite a bit. I don't like Carmella. I just... Uh, yeah, her wrestling is not for me. She's definitely the, the entertainer type of wrestler, and that's fine. That's not a bad thing to be, and it's an especially good thing to be if you're in WWE, but it means I just kind of turn my brain off when you're in the ring because I know I'm probably not going to see anything unsuspected or surprising or particularly impressive. Uh, after that, though, a bit of a reprieve. We got Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis versus Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Uh, some really, really good wrestlers in the ring here, and it translated into a very good match. Uh, a cut above the standard WWE fare. This was a 3.25. I'd say uh, definitely the highlight of the night, and I think easily the highlight of WWE for the this week. Um, yeah, I don't think NXT had anything better than this. Well... It did have a Carmelo Hayes match. We'll get to it. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, 3.25 for this one. Uh, If you are a casual WWE fan, I would say definitely check this one out. It's worth your time. Uh, Chelsea Green versus Asuka sounds like a great match on paper, uh, but uh, this one just didn't have enough room to breathe, and unfortunately it was only a 2.25 for me. Uh, It's unfortunate because there has not been a lot of Asuka on TV. Uh, since the Royal Rumble, but Montez Ford took on Elias in a pre-elimination chamber qualifier match. Uh, yeah, 2.5 for me. Montez Ford has a tremendous dive to the outside, and it's often the highlight of WWE shows, but uh, yeah, this wasn't a particularly uh, solid match. I- I'm I'm getting used to the dive, and I feel like that's causing... Uh, uh, Montez matches to be a little less impressive as uh, time goes on. And then your main event. Ah, they finally did it. Bailey versus Becky Lynch in the steel cage. And uh, yeah, I don't know. For a steel cage match, I still feel like this did not get enough time. But um, yeah, these two are great wrestlers, and this should be a great match, but it's just it's hindered by a lot of dumb WWE booking stuff. You know, like What's the point of having a cage match if you can escape through the top of the cage or through the door and anyone can climb up the cage easily and try to climb into the ring and the corners of the, of the steel cage don't even touch so you can pass weapons into the cage. It's like the whole p- purpose of a cage in pro wrestling is to keep outside interference from affecting the match and preventing heels from running away. It's just, ah, WWE, WWE has conditioned people to not understand how cage matches are supposed to work, and in practice it makes them worse, and this is definitely an example of that. Uh, this could have easily been a 3.5 or maybe even higher um, with like better goals and, and production in mind. But this was only a 2.75 for me. Uh, yeah, really big letdown, especially considering how uh, we didn't get this match at Raw 30. Uh, yeah, very underwhelming Raw. It has one good match, uh, but you know, still better than SmackDown. Anyways, AEW had Dark the day after, and uh, honestly, this <laughs> this wasn't the best Dark either. Um, it opened with Serpentico versus Blake Christian. Uh, I do like Blake Christian a lot. Serpentico's a lot of fun, and this was a solid one, 2.75. Roosh versus Aiden Park, however, um, yeah, only a 2.5 on that one. Uh, Roosh matches, I, I feel like if it's not competitive, he loses a bit of his uh, his luster. Um, yeah, squash matches, uh, not really for me for Roosh, but whatever. 
Uh, Megan Myers versus Kira Hogan, unfortunately, uh, was a little uh, underwhelming, even for uh, what's happened on this show so far, so 2.25. And then Dante Casanova took on Dalton Castle. Uh, the match itself wasn't much to write home about, but Dalton Castle's entrance never gets old. It's spectacular. And then uh, Slim J took on Mascara Dorada, which is uh, pretty cool, honestly. Um, I like both guys. They're both really good high flyers. But I feel like this one, I don't know, it could have been jaw-dropping and uh, didn't quite get there for me. It was a 2.75, a little little bit of a disappointment. Then the Outrunners, Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd, took on Logan Cruz and Tyshawn Perez. Uh, the Outrunners are fun, but uh, I have yet to see a, a good one of their matches, so 2.25. And then, hey, Balianaki took on Rico Gonzalez. Really liking what I'm seeing from Balianaki. He's uh, got some great strikes. He can do some pretty cool high-flying moves. He's clearly got a creative mind from what I've seen from him in Choco Pro and uh, some of his matches on Dark here. Yeah, solid match. I gave it a 3 out of 5. And in the main event of Dark, Konosuke Takeshita versus EJ Naduka of the Toronto Argonauts? Huh. Uh, yeah, Takeshita obviously is a, a complete fucking dynamo, and I'm so glad he's in AEW full-time. Uh, this was just an okay match, though. I feel like Naduka definitely couldn't keep up with him, but uh, it, it was alright. Uh, three out of five for the main events, and then over on WWE's side, they had NXT, and uh, yeah. One thing that's bothering me about NXT lately is that they're just not putting Carmelo Hayes in the main event ever. He's always like first match or the middle match, and I kind of get that uh, you know they don't want him to main event all the time, but he is the highlight of your show. And he's, like, one of the highlights of WWE entirely. They are so fucking lucky to have this guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think for this show, I would have put it on, his match on last. But, uh, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. Zoe Stark versus Sol Ruka opened up the show. This is both two wrestlers who are very highly rated in the women's division. A lot of buzz about them and their fancy finishing moves. Um, I don't think either of them are good enough that they can have a truly great match together. I feel like both wrestlers are best when somebody more experiences in the ring with them. Uh, yeah, they're they're both fine and they have upsides. I just it's gonna be a long, long way before I can say super positive things about Zoe Stark and Sol Ruka, but it was a fine match, two point seven five. After that, Daba Kato took on Dante Chen. I can't tell you much about this match other than, obviously, Daba Kato has a pretty funny name. Yabba Daba Do, this match gets a two. Over to Isla Dawn versus Tatum Paxley. Uh, I like Isla Dawn, but man, she's just been in some very unfortunate matches lately. This was uh, pretty pretty lackluster, 2.25. And then your kind of real main event, uh, J.D. McDonough versus Carmelo Hayes. Um... I've obviously been soured on uh, Jordan Devlin ever since uh, the speaking out thing, but you know it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere, and he is a very good wrestler, so obviously pairing him with Carmelo, this is going to be a good match. And it was. It was a 3.25. Not as good as Carmelo's stuff with Apollo Hayes, but uh, yeah, it is true. Melo don't miss. This guy is incredible. Every match I've seen with him in it has at least been decent. Uh, I guess there was one tag match with uh, Trick Williams that wasn't amazing, but, uh, you know, he has had some stuff that's genuinely amazing. Uh, then we had Valentina Ferois versus Lyra Valkyria. God, the names in this promotion. Ugh. Uh, yeah, two out of five. Can't tell you anything about this match. I feel like I heard a lot of buzz about Lyra Valkyria, but, uh, yeah, did not impress me. Uh, then Odyssey Jones took on Channing Lorenzo. Uh, yeah, Odyssey Jones just depresses me for some reason. Because I know I'm going to be seeing a lot of this guy, and he's just so not my type of wrestler. But And this was so not my type of match. 2.25. And your main event, pretty deadly, Kit Wilson and Elton Prince took on Chase U, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson. 
Uh, I like both teams. This was a fairly entertaining match, but it didn't really have anything in ring that super grabbed me, so I was kind of on the verge of being bored for most of it, and then it just didn't build up to anything super significant. I've seen Pretty Deadly do better. Um, This was a 2.5. Then, going uh, from NXT to uh, yet another stacked Dynamite card, uh, this one, Dynamite Championship Fight Night, opened with MJF versus Konosuke Takeshita in an AEW World Championship Eliminator match. Um, yeah, Takeshita has been on fire, obviously. MJF is one of the best in the world. And I'm really happy to report that not only was this a good match, but it was a unique match. Uh, Takeshita really found some ways to counter MJF's offense that was like, oh, this would only happen in an MJF Takeshita match. So it felt very special. Um, I really kind of hoped that Takeshita would be the first person to win an Eliminator so that maybe they could run this one back because I feel like this match and these guys have enough chemistry that this would be worth running twice. But um, yeah, four out of five, really, really good. Following that, another uh, Eliminator match for the Women's World Championship, Jamie Hayter versus The Bunny. Um, I love both these women. The Bunny is one of my uh, favorite uh, women's wrestlers in AEW. I think she's super underrated. Unfortunately, it looks like an injury uh, maybe had cut this match short. Uh, unclear if uh, it was a concussion or uh, you know some kind of like uh, like a broken nose or something, but uh, there was a, a move where very clearly the bunny was like covering up her face. It was right at the finish. She was like covering her face after, and yeah, it, you could just tell something went wrong. Uh, so it's unfortunate that this match kind of was stymied by that, but it was still all right. Two point seven five. Hope the bunny's okay. And then a. Uh, Kind of a weird one. The Garcia-Govara gauntlet match. Ricky Starks versus Angelo Parker, and then Matt Menard, and then Daniel Garcia. I thought he was going to have to fight Sammy Guevara too, but uh, whatever. I kind of expected this one to be better than I think a lot of people did, but uh, it did not deliver, unfortunately. This was a 2.5. The structure of this match didn't really give Ricky Starks much of an opportunity to really show what he can do. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying close attention. I I don't remember much about this one, but uh, it might have also been because I was most uh, you know overly excited for the following match: Roosh versus Brian Danielson. Fuck yeah! Danielson obviously has been on a legendary tear lately, and this match was no exception. Like I said before, Roosh is the type of wrestler that uh, works best with a great opponent, and there's no greater opponent than Danielson. This is a fucking awesome, hard-hitting, brutal match. Go out of your way to see it. 4.25 out of 5, and it's pretty high up on my match of the year list so far. I think I've got it at number 7. And then, uh, (laughs) another banger. We've got the Elite, Matt and Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega versus Top Flight and AR Fox. Uh, I kind of am surprised this didn't go on last but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, both these teams are very inventive, very fast-paced and frenetic, and just full of jaw-dropping spots. Uh, I, I shouldn't even have to tell you why you should see this match. It's uh, a given that it would be good. I really want to see a Kenny Omega AR Fox singles match very soon. Please book a TK. Uh, this was a 4 out of 5. Not as good as the previous match, but still just lighten it up and then your main event for the AEW World Tag Team Championship the Acclaimed versus the Guns Uh, yeah both teams are pretty young the Acclaimed are capable of having a a great match when the crowd's really into it but uh, I feel like everyone came in expecting the Guns to lose so they weren't super into this match because it wasn't going to be competitive and then they won, and then no one was into that. So it was kind of just a big letdown, like the air slowly deflating out of a balloon. Uh, unfortunate. Real unfortunate. I gave it a 2.5. You would hope that Dynamite Championship Fight Night would have a better main event than this. And there were three matches on this card that would have been a better main event than this. But... Um, Still, I can't complain too hard. This was another incredible dynamite. 
Dynamite has just been incredible in 2023 so far, especially in the last three or four weeks. Uh, just keeps getting better. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for next week, even though the card doesn't look as good as this one. Uh, yeah, I, I will be waiting with bated breath. And over to Impact for the second time in this recording, because I accidentally started reading the Impact from February 2nd and didn't realize it. Uh, no, this is the February 9th episode of Impact, and uh, on your free YouTube pre-show match, we had Raj Singh versus Speedball Mike Bailey. It seems like for these pre-show matches, it's just like, throw Speedball on there, throw Gresham on there, get some eyes on the product. Uh, you know, can't blame them. Uh, this was not as good of a Speedball Mike Bailey match as uh, I've grown to expect, but, uh, you know, it was just a, a squash on YouTube for free. I can't complain. 2.75. After that, Brian Myers versus Dirty Dango had a very WWE-ass match. Uh, this was not for me. 2.5. 2.5 I gave also to the good hands John Schuyler and Jason Hotch versus Tommy Dreamer and Mickey James. Uh, Mickey James was pretty good in this match, but uh, Tommy Dreamer, yeah, just doesn't have much for me these days. Steph DeLander took on Jordan Grace in the following match for uh, 2.75 out of 5. Um, yeah, Jordan Grace, really, really solid. She's killing it lately. Uh, would love to see her wrestle, I think, who's she wrestling at No Surrender? I can't remember. I'm sure it'll be good. And then a uh, another women's match, a tag bout, Killer Kelly and Taylor Wilde versus the Death Dolls, Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary. Uh, Taylor Wilde also has that uh, impact knockouts thing of just not carrying herself like she's comfortable being a wrestler. It's weird. Again, she'll do a move, and it looks fine, maybe even good, but then like when she's walking around or like climbing out of the ring or locking up with somebody it just looks like she's timid you know don't know what it is and it's always been that way with her uh following that shara versus pco was a pretty entertaining bout pco is crazy as fuck and can do some pretty insane stuff for his age that was a 2.75 and your main event for the Impact Digital Media Championship, Joe Hendry versus Matt Cardona. I like Joe Hendry. Matt Cardona isn't my type of dude. But, uh, yeah, this was a, a fairly entertaining one. Uh, unfortunately, Impact lately has been really, really good. This one was fairly underwhelming. Only a 2.75 for the main event. No bangers on this Impact, sadly. Uh, hoping for some better stuff this week. And then against my better judgment, uh, I watched WWE main events. Indy Hartwell versus Dana Brooke was about as good as you'd expect it to be, 2.25. But then, oh shit, an actual good one. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson versus the Creed Brothers, Brutus and Julius Creed. You can tell Gallows and Anderson really want to work with the Creed Brothers because they put them over very strong. This was way better than anything on main events that I've seen all year. Three out of five. Wow, holy shit really caught me off guard there. Following that, we had Hit Row, Ashanti the Adonis, and Top Dalla versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre to open SmackDown. Uh, Sheamus and Drew are a pretty decent pairing, but Hit Row are embarrassingly bad. This was a 2 out of 5. Wow, guys. You'd hope they'd follow that up with something better, but no, it's a Lacey Evans match. Squashing Cameron Harris. Bad stuff. Bad, bad stuff. 2 out of 5. Just barely okay. Uh, then the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, took on Braun Strowman and Ricochet for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. It was unclear if, uh, Jay was going to show up for this one. Yeah, um, I feel like if Ricochet had a different tag partner, maybe this could have been a spectacular match, but it was just alright. A 3 out of 5. Uh, the highlight of the show for me and, uh... Braun and Ricochet do have some okay tandem spots, but uh, yeah, I just don't like Braun. Another tag bout following that, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville versus Raquel Gonz- uh, Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. I cannot tell you anything about this match. It was pretty forgettable. 2.25. 
Then the main event, uh, a fatal four-way match to determine the number one contender to Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. Karrion Cross versus Madcap Moss versus Santos Escobar versus Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm just going to say it. Uh, they had Madcap Moss win this match, and uh, I don't think anyone wanted that. Even Karrion Cross would be a better opponent for Gunther. Would have liked to see him wrestle Santos. Would have loved to have seen him wrestle Mysterio. Yeah, giving Madcap Moss a, a championship pay-per-view match, just bewildering. I don't understand what WWE sees in this guy. He is just such an average-ass wrestler. I, there's not a single thing about him that stands out or is special other than he fucking broke Biggie's neck. So, ugh. Very frustrating end to SmackDown. Makes me want to rip my eyes out and throw them across the room. Thankfully, Rampage was also on that night and uh, made me feel a lot better. It opened with Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Casignoli, and Wheeler Yuta versus The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. Uh, yeah, better than uh, The Butcher and The Blade versus Top Flight, and better than the last uh, Claudio Wheeler match I watched. Yeah, it was a, a fun six-man tag, because uh, Moxley can kind of bridge the gap between Claudio and Wheeler's wrestling and The Butcher and The Blade's wrestling, like I said before. You know, he can brawl with those guys, uh, and, and, you know, provide the transitions that uh, the the Butcher and the Blade versus Blackpool Combat Club match uh, didn't have. Uh, so, yeah, pretty solid one. 3.5. Good opener for your rampage. After that, we had Marina Shafir versus Ruby Soho. This was another really good match. Um, Marina Shafir, like I've said pretty much every week, has been getting better all the time, and Ruby is a great opponent for her. Uh, yeah, this one was a 3.25. Really solid stuff. Better than the standard uh, Rampage women's match, I have to say, because usually they, they score around a 2.5 to 2.75. Kind of like the next match, Jungle Boy versus Ryan Nemeth. Uh, this feels like it should have been on Dark. I don't really remember much about it. 2.5 for me. And then your main event, Orange Cassidy defending his AEW All-Atlantic Championship against Lee Moriarty. Uh, love Lee, as I've already said on this episode. He's fantastic, and it's great seeing him get a title match on TV. Hell yeah. Um, and he's very creative, so with a wrestler like Orange Cassidy, they had uh, really solid back and forth. Definitely go out of your way to see this one. It was a 3.75 for me. Lee Moriarty is just fucking awesome. So good. One of my favorite wrestlers right now. Uh, NXT Level Up was also on that day. I believe I watched this on the ferry leaving from Victoria to Seattle because I still had, uh, or they had Wi-Fi on the boat, which is surprising. Like, not even fucking BC Ferries has Wi-Fi on their boat. But anyways, uh, Tank, Tank Ledger versus Kale Dixon was a match that I saw, apparently. Uh, I can't tell you much more about it other than that. Danny Palmer versus Lash Legend was another match where not a whole lot happened. Can't tell you much about it. Pretty forgettable, 2.25. And then the main event, Axiom versus Strips, uh, was actually not all that bad. It was a 2.5. Uh, an okay high-flying match. These are kind of two of their sort of lucha characters that they have on NXT right now. Um... I don't know. I, I kind of expected it to be better, to be honest, but maybe Axiom is just better than scripts. I don't know. Oh, this show. Oh, wait, no, I didn't watch uh, I didn't watch Level Up on the boat. I watched it uh, <laughs> extremely sleep-deprived at, like, 6 a.m. in the uh, kitchen of the hostel I stayed in uh, because I could not get any sleep because the guy I was staying in just wouldn't stop fucking farting so loud. Loud enough to wake me up. This guy was a fucking freak. Like, I, I unlocked the door. Admittedly, I got home pretty late after the Defy show. It was, like, around midnight. But when I opened the door, he, like, bolts out of his bed. He's like, who are you? What are you doing here? And I'm like, uh, chill, man. I, I'm staying in this room. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, my key card unlocked the door, so I'm pretty sure. And he was like, okay. And he, like, went to sleep. And then, like, if I tried to get up to, like, go to the bathroom or something, he would wake up and he'd be like, are you leaving? I'm like, go to sleep, dude. Why do you care? What, fucking weirdo. And yeah, every time he was asleep, he would just 
be ripping ass as loud as possible, waking me from what little sleep I could get. It was a decent hostel, but yeah, terrible, terrible roommate, and I'm definitely going to be getting a private room next time I stay in Seattle, because that guy sucked. Uh, So yeah, I ended up waking up at 6 a.m. and going downstairs and, and watching NXT level up. That's sad. What, what what was I watching on the boat though? Oh, I I think it was actually that's when I was watching uh, West Coast Pros uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. That's when that happened. I got it all mixed up. Anyways, speaking of watching wrestling while I'm sleep deprived, I also checked out Billy Corgan's NWA's Nuff Said. Uh, I watched this at the Thirteen Coins Restaurant in uh, Seattle. In the morning after Defy Year 6 um, while eating a lovely frittata um, I think I watched about half of it there and then I finished the rest of it when I got back to Victoria but uh, let's let's go through some wrestling the way it ought to be shall we opened with Tom Latimer versus Psycho Boy Fodder in a Singapore cane match um, yeah this is this is kind of a weird one because I gave it a 2.75 because it was kind of entertaining. It was like halfway decent. But I was thinking while I was sitting there, I was like, man, a Singapore cane match, even I could do that. How hard is it to hit a guy with a fucking stick? <laughs> like, uh, So I feel like maybe I should have graded it a little lower, but it, it was fairly entertaining. So I decided to be merciful and gave it a 2.75. But yeah. <laughs> Any idiot can swing a Singapore cane. Come on. Uh, Then following that for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, Kerry Morton versus Alex Taylor. Uh, Halfway okay match. Kerry Morton seems like a pretty good wrestler. Alex Taylor, not the kind of like junior heavyweight type wrestler that I would come to expect from those words, but it was a serviceable match, 2.75. Following that, Thrillbilly Silas Mason versus J.R. Kratos. Uh, you feel like he's got to get sued for that name because he's just calling himself Kratos and he says he's the god of war. Like, come on, man. Uh, J.R. Kratos is also a very strangely shaped man. I, I, we don't body shame on this show. You know, it's fine. He is the way he is. But it's just, it's just very strange to see a man who's so big so broad and beefy but he has like a negative ass like he's you just see his trunks flapping around where where there should be an ass there but there's just nothing it's very weird he's he's got the hank hill ass and that's fine you're you're fine jr kratos don't change but i don't know it's just it's it's a little funny um anyways it was not a good match 2.25 Following that for the NWA World Women's Tag Team Championship, Pretty Empowered, Kenzie Page and Ella Envy versus the Renegade Twins. Uh, I actually liked Pretty Empowered quite a bit. Ella Envy uh, had some really good like uh, banter with the ref and with the crowd. A very entertaining uh, crowd work type wrestler. Uh, and this was a pretty enjoyable match. I gave it a 2.75. Uh... <laughs> Following that, the the match where I saw a clip from it and I knew I had to watch this show. EC3, Ethan Corgan III, against Kevin Kiley Jr., a.k.a. Alex Riley. Um, A guy who was never a good wrestler in, in WWE, and then became a color commentator on NXT, and then came back briefly as a wrestler, and was so bad that they fired him from his regular color commentary job as well. Just, just get out of here, Alex Riley. You're terrible. And he's coming back to pro wrestling. And the whole story of this match is how he probably shouldn't have. That's what EC3 is, like, screaming in his face the whole time. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, dude. You probably shouldn't have. Uh, this was not a good match, and it had some pretty horrific botches uh kevin kiley jr tries to do like a montez ford dive and he just ends up clipping the turnbuckle and and just just falls and ec3 doesn't really catch him and uh yeah the match kind of just ends after that really unfortunate really sad um yeah this this match was depressing (laughs) 1.5 1.5 um yeah this might be the the second worst match i've seen all year P- 
pr- pretty bad. Oh boy. Following that, uh, for the NWA World Tag Team Championship, uh, at, least, at that point I was just like, man, I don't want to watch the rest of the show, but I soldiered on. For the NWA World Tag Team Championship, La Rebellion, Bestia666, and Mecha Wolf, killer name, versus Blunt Force Trauma, Carnage, and Damage. Um, yeah, not, I was expecting something of a lucha match, but this was more of just kind of like a punch-kick brawl with some suplexes and stuff. Very basic, uh, 2.25. We had Chris Adonis versus Trevor Murdoch. Uh, yeah. Trevor Murdoch is fairly entertaining, but uh, this was, you know, Chris Adonis, he, it's been ages since he's been in the WWE, but he still wrestles like it. <laughs> and in NWA, that's your, your match dies a, dies a death for me, but uh, it, it was all right, 2.5. Oh, but... Um, Shout out for uh, a terrible finish for Trevor Murdoch passing out from the master lock. Nothing's restricting your breathing, dude. It's it's a full Nelson. Like there was ref stoppage. He he lifted his arm and it went limp. Like you can breathe, my man. Like why did you pass out just from the pain? You're not Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's not a sharpshooter. But whatever. Two point five. Then for the NWA World's Women's Championship, Camille versus Angelina Love. Angelina Love, also guilty of the whole knockouts gate thing. Uh, anyways, it was an okay match. Uh, had some decent hardcore spots. Uh, a, a, another bright moment on the show. And it's really worth noting that the best matches on NWA cards are always women's matches. And Billy Corgan's out here saying that he can't do a second Empower show because the women's division isn't good enough. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not, but none of your show is good enough, Billy. And they're the best part of it. So maybe shut the fuck up. And maybe next time a company like AEW offers to help your women's only pay-per-view for free, like, don't be a dick about it. And be like ungrateful and trash them in interviews, because uh, yeah, the only reason I watched Empower is because there were AEW women on it. Very frustrating, William Patrick Corgan. Very disappointed in you. Anyways, for the NWA National Championship, the Great Scion versus Homicide. It's nice to see Homicide, uh, but this was uh, mostly just kind of like a. A basic-ass brawl. Nothing really to write home about. 2.5. And then your main events for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. The 10 pounds of gold. From Fox News fame, the world champion Tyrus versus Matt Cardona. Um, yeah, Tyrus, I found out after this match, is 49 fucking years old. Uh, which is just absurd. Like, this guy was never a good wrestler he was kind of a joke like the most significant thing to like wwe history that i can remember that he contributed other than like a wrestlemania entrance was punching out uh pac's teeth in a backstage brawl uh so you know this is the guy who uh you call in if you want your world champion to lose his front teeth terrible wrestler and i had no idea that he was also fucking washed uh 49 years old jesus christ billy this match was the pits i already am not a huge cardona fan but he was like he was god in this ring compared to tyrus he's just so stiff and not in like a hit you hard way just like in a barely can move way like moving around like your grandpa in the ring cardona's bumping his ass off and tyrus is barely even like moving or emoting oh without somebody falling almost to their death this was the worst match probably on any show i could have watched this week but this also happened to have ec3 versus kevin kiley jr so this wasn't the worst match i saw all week but still very bad 1.75 way too long hardly any good spots tyrus is just the the worst (laughs) 
What a fucking state this company's in. My God. Billy Corgan. Sort your shit out, man. Um, and then uh, kind of to just bridge the gap uh, from when I got home and having to watch all that bad wrestling, I watched a couple of matches from New Japan's New Beginning in Osaka. Um, I didn't have time to check out the whole card, but there were some singles matches on there that I definitely wanted to see. So uh, that one opened with Master Wato versus Taiji Ishimori. Uh, this was, uh, yeah... A uh, fun, entertaining junior heavyweight match, as I come to expect from Ishimori. Uh, yeah, not amazing, but really good stuff. It was a 3 out of 5. Then we had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. Uh, these guys seem to have a, a pretty heated rivalry going. And, uh, oh, holy shit, Tanahashi lost his teeth? Yeah, apparently he lost his front teeth and he has not had them replaced. Um, was Tyrus in Japan? I kid. But anyways, it was a pretty good match. Um, mostly memorable for Tanahashi showing off his his lack of gnashers. And then your main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, yeah, this one was a motherfucker of a title match. Um, the crowd was very into it. It was very nice seeing a cheering crowd in New Japan again, and they were red hot for this one. Okada and Takagi. Takagi's not... Okada's greatest opponent ever, but they have pretty solid chemistry, and any time I've seen them wrestle each other, it's always been really, really good stuff. This was a 4 out of 5 for me. Uh, yeah, definitely go and check it out. And then, sort of the main event of this episode, and the main event of my month, more or less, uh, was I went to Seattle to see Defy Year 6. Uh, this was my second time at Washington Hall, my first time seeing a, a pure Defy-branded show, uh, and this was obviously one that I did not want to miss. Um, unfortunately, the story going into it is uh, my, famous, uh, my most favorite wrestler in the world, Eddie Kingston, who was booked against my favorite BC wrestler, Artemis Spencer, uh, unfortunately could not make the card due to injury. Ah, very sad. Hope Eddie gets better. Um, it just seems to always happen when he's booked for Defy. He gets an injury right beforehand and uh, can't make it. But, you know, he's made up the dates. I'm sure he'll come back. I just doubt it'll be when I can go. So, a uh, bit of a letdown in that respect, but this was still an incredible show. It opened with my boys, Travis Williams and Judas Icarus, Sinner and Saint, versus the Bollywood boys, Gerv and Harv Singh. Are they Sira or Singh? They were Sira on the indie scene before WWE, and they were Singh on WWE, but I feel like I haven't heard anyone say their last name in any of the Bollywood Boys matches that I've seen lately. So I don't know what their last name is, is billed as right now, but Gervin Harv. Uh, I like both these teams. I like the Bollywood Boys, but sometimes their, their matches... Just and again, I hate to harp on this, but I just kind of get the sense like, oh, you guys were in the Fed a little too long. Um, but this one was a little more memorable than, than than some of the Bollywood ones I've seen in the last year. Um, it was mostly a messy brawl, kind of working the crowd. Um, you know, a lot of spots in the crowd, throwing guys into chairs and stuff. Uh, yeah, hot opener, but. Uh, not one of the uh, shining gems on this card. After that, for the Defy Women's World Championship, Vert Vixen defending her title against Danica Diehard. Um, this match was kind of unfortunate. It just seemed to be off. Uh, like, the timing was off for, like, a split second for the entire match. It just seemed like... They, they just didn't click, and it, it was really unfortunate, because I've never seen Danica die hard before, but she seemed like a good wrestler. Vert Vixen is pretty good. I, I had not high hopes, but I, I expected a little better from this match, and it was only a 2.25 for me. It just didn't click. Unfortunate. Uh, following that, Artemis Spencer having his uh, makeup match against Guillermo Rosas from C4. Um, obviously, his only crime is not being Eddie Kingston. Yeah, this was still a, a very solid match. Guillermo was very over with the Defy crowd. There was a nuclear pop when the guy took his straps down, and that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, 
I obviously would have much preferred to have seen Annie Kingston, but that couldn't have happened, so this was really good in a pinch. 3.25. After that, for the Defy World Tag Team Championships NS Seattle Street Fight, the second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice versus the Midnight Heat, Eddie Pearl and Ricky Gibson. Uh, Eddie Pearl and Ricky Gibson doing the right-to-censor shtick by trying to get rid of all the uh, hardcore weapons from ringside. Uh, Manson Justice brought out a door covered in mouse traps, which uh, the Midnight Heat then destroyed without doing a move on it. They just like kicked it to pieces so no one could use it. Which is like, yeah, it got heat, but everyone would have preferred to see someone go through that door. Um, the most memorable spot for this one is Mance Warner getting a mouse trap on his tongue and having it there for like two solid minutes. Jesus, dude. But, uh, yeah, this was kind of a short match, and a lot of the time in it was guys going to get weapons, some of which that did not get used. So it wasn't the best hardcore match, and, uh, yeah, I kind of had higher hopes for this one. 2.5. Eh. But that was the first half of the show. When they came back, it was just nonstop bangers from that point forward, starting with Cody Chun versus Nick Wayne two of the brightest stars in the Pacific Northwest right now, and I was so excited to see Nick Wayne, and he is every bit of the prodigy that people say he is. Both these guys are so graceful. Like, when they do cutters, they just soar through the air. When Nick Wayne sells a move, he throws his whole fucking body into it to make his opponent look like they're just... A, a million bucks like i the the highest praise i can put on nick wayne is that he makes his opponent look as good as rob van dam did and and that's saying something uh AEW is going to be very lucky to have him uh it's only a matter of months now before he's going to start appearing on on tv and this was a a motherfucker of a match some great Technical wrestling, um, it was a very scientific match. Most of it was uh, Cody Chun working uh, the knee. And then it built to a, a fantastic climax. Um, yeah, great match. And not even the best match on the card. 4.25 out of 5. Uh, I believe I have this one as my 10th favorite of the year so far. Uh, and then for the Defy World Championship, Swerve Strickland, the Dorito mogul himself, versus Titus Alexander. Uh, this one was also fucking incredible. Where Cody Chun and Nick Wayne had a, a, a pretty technical-minded bout, this was a lot more of like a jaw-dropping spot fest. And uh, yeah, both guys delivered in spades. There were some crazy moves in this match. Alexander um, hitting... Uh, I think it was a it was a cutter on the apron, and Swerve just like selling it on the top of his head, uh, and then there was a moment where Alexander hit like he slapped Swerve in the face harder than I've ever seen anyone be slapped in the face in a wrestling match. He paintbrushed him, and everyone immediately started chanting, "You fucked up!" Um, yeah, these guys had great chemistry. Um, Titus sold his arm for like the whole match that's one thing that really stuck out to me is like for the longest time you know people who don't watch indie wrestling would be like oh these indie kids they don't know how to sell nick wayne and titus alexander were like in both of their matches were selling moves for like the whole match like when like titus was basically wrestling with one arm nick was constantly wrestling with his injured knee in mind like, I don't know if either that criticism was never valid or if all of these young guys have just grown up seeing that criticism and being like, well, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to learn how to sell because, yeah, they do it so well. This match ruled. Um, I think I have it as my seventh favorite of the year so far. Swerve is incredible. AEW is so lucky to have him. Um, and I, I hope we get to see some really like marquee swerve strickland matches in the near future because he needs some some killer singles bouts he can put on an absolute showstopper great match best match of the night 4.25 when it's streaming on uh, 
defy on demand i i would say run don't walk go check it out and then your main event oh shit it's john moxley and Schaff versus zach saber jr and davy richards my god uh beyond uh grateful to see john moxley and zach saber jr one of my absolute favorites uh wrestle in front of me uh very cool experience it was not a complete jaw dropper of a match it was definitely like this is special and this match is kind of just to get itself over you know like it's john moxley he's one of the most important wrestlers in the world he's not going to come and do a bunch of crazy bumps in washington hall but it was still a memorable match send the fans home happy a real christmas morning type finish um and it's just really interesting seeing Moxley uh, wrestle ZSJ, considering you know, they never got to have their their match that they were supposed to have before COVID. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that they've been in the ring together. So that was was really really cool. Um, yeah, just incredible seeing these guys who I've been watching for years, been like, especially in in Zack Saber Jr.'s case, been like admiring for so long. Um, and this was a, a very memorable match for me. It wasn't the greatest of all time, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to forget it anytime soon. 3.5 out of 5. Um, yeah, not something that I would say you should absolutely have to see, but definitely something that everyone in the room was very happy that they came as far as they may, might have myself for example having to take a three-hour bus ride both ways on top of two ferries uh, it was well worth it uh defy year six was a very special show and i'm so glad i i made the effort to go out there um these guys are doing something really amazing in seattle if they're not one of the companies that you're following in the american indies change that immediately because uh their next show has kushida and top flight so <laughs> get on board defy kicks ass smoke weed and watch wrestling but wait 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 hold on a second don't don't fucking go nowheres because i i forgot i had a, a a weird rant that i was supposed to insert into the smackdown part and then i forgot so i don't watch tv really i'm a millennial you know i just watch things on the internet um so i don't see a whole lot of like tv commercials and they're a bit different from uh from like youtube commercials and stuff right and of course i have a, a, a fight plus and AEW plus subscription so i i watch the fight feed of AEW and no commercials there and a lot of the other wrestling i watch is either like japanese or indie so again no commercials and the only thing that I watch with commercials on it is is WWE because I'm not paying for that. So it's very kind of surreal for me whenever I watch a WWE show because it'll go to a commercial break if it has the picture-in-picture. Picture. And I'm, I'm watching TV commercials, which I, I never see. And they aired one for a medication called Gemtessa. And I just need to talk about this because it... it, it really flustered me and made me upset so it's for uh overactive bladder and if you're you know a, a middle-aged woman you're probably not listening to this show but I, I, that's definitely something that i can sympathize with that sounds like a really frustrating and life-altering problem to have to constantly be having to go to the bathroom like anyone would agree with that obviously taking a medication for that would make sense but the the side effects for this medication really make you really have to weigh the pros and cons here and i'm just going to play that part of the commercial for you so you can see what i mean side effects may include headache common cold symptoms diarrhea nausea urinary tract and upper respiratory tract infection diarrhea like really i thought the whole point of this pill was so that you you wouldn't be spending all your time on the toilet but you're just you're just exchanging having to pee all day to having to shit all day and that's that's not a good trade i don't think i'd i'd make that trade i i feel like if i had to if i had to pick one 
I think the the choice is pretty clear. And that's on top of all the other stuff. Like, holy shit. Uh, I guess it just sucks to have an overactive bladder all around. Uh, make of that what you will, I guess. And, uh, smoke weed and watch wrestling? <laughs>